Welcome to the Strata Leadership Show, a podcast designed to help you gain clarity, lead effectively, and drive results for yourself, your team, and your organization. I'm your host, Dr. Nathan Miller. Well, welcome to the show. Today we have uh, someone that I uh, admire for her work ethic, for her creativity, for her passion for people, and for that matter, her endurance. Her company has done some amazing things over the last few years. And our guest today is Jennifer Krzyzewski, and she is with Paycom. And the the title that she has at Paycom uh, is Vice President of Human Relations, excuse me, Human Resources. I got that wrong. Uh, And uh, Jennifer is someone that I am just so thankful to be able to spend some time with. Welcome to the show, Jennifer. Thank you, Nathan. I'm very excited to be here and share this time with you today. Well, I got to meet you uh, really a, a couple of years ago. And for the people who are in the industry of making life better for other people, there's a kinship, there's a bond because the work that uh, you do and, and the work that I strive to do, I, I think you can tell when you're around somebody else who cares. And I recognized just with your presence, the way that you walked into the room, this is somebody who is doing great things. So if we could look at your life, and, and if I said, tell me about your life as a leader, help me understand how you got where you are now by going back in time and, and looking at some of the people who helped you become the leader that you are today. Who would be some people that you would reference that have helped you get where you are? So Nathan, the the person that has probably had the biggest, most profound impact on who I am as a person, but also who I am as a leader was my grandfather. And I called him Papo. And so you'll, you'll hear me reference him probably throughout our conversation because he was such a big part of my life from, from the very beginning. And, you know, he was someone that, always encouraged me and gave me confidence that that I didn't necessarily have, even from a very, very young age. At the age of 10, I I was fortunate enough to um, have uh, some chickens. I know some people may not think it's very fortunate to have chickens, but we've had had a small acreage where what is now, you know, a big bustling part of Edmond, but back then it was out in the middle of nowhere. And I, I got these chickens. Well, all of a sudden, the chickens started laying eggs. And I had more eggs than I could say grace over. And um, I was talking to my granddad one day about all these eggs. And, and he said, well, have you thought about selling the eggs? And I was like, well, you know, that's a great idea. But do you think I could do it? And he, he really encouraged me to, to, to think about it and get people involved and do it. And so um, I... Uh, I started my own egg company at the ripe old age of 11, and um, I sold eggs to people in my neighborhood. I ended up having so many eggs at one point, I recruited neighborhood kids to help me clean the eggs and deliver the eggs and sell the eggs and on all of that. So, you know, it, that kind of at that young age, it gave me the, the confidence that, you know, yeah, I can do something, but then I have somebody that I can talk to that can advise me and help me along the way. Um, you know, he, he instilled the value of hard work. At maybe 12, he, he owned restaurants in downtown Oklahoma City. And it was every summer, it was, you had to commit, you're gonna work all summer. And it was, if you were committing, you couldn't just take a day off to go to a friend's birthday party. No, you had to commit. And so, you know, I was running a cashier in uh, one of his lunch counters and I was handling money, handling product. And he 
he trusted me with all of that. And you can imagine at the age of 12, you know, being trusted with all of that. But it taught me that, you know, I, I needed to have grit, determination. I can do something, even if I wasn't sure how to do it. I knew who I could go to to ask. Really, it started, it started so young with me. And then all throughout my life, he was there for me. And he, even when I started working professionally, we would have lunch on a regular basis. He would come to my office. He would always want to see where I worked. And we would, we would have dialogue about work. And, and I think about that because he was, he was a seventh grade educated person. And to, to think about, he was very successful. And he grew up on dirt floors in the oil patch. And so here's someone that grew up, you know, in a very difficult situation, didn't have the opportunity to have an education. And he was able to, to really pour into me and make me the person that I am today. So I, I love hearing about your granddad and I love hearing about your love for him. And, and so you start off, you know, <laughs> recruiting all the neighborhood kids to help you in your uh, company. You're, you're selling eggs and then granddad says, OK, I'm going to have you working here in the summers, but you've got to be committed. And then you fast forward, you, you get through high school how did you start down a path that would lead to working in HR at this executive level? You know, my first kind of real job out of college was working for a staffing agency. And I found that I had a very good ability to read people and understand what they were looking for, for from a career perspective. And it just kind of blossomed from there. I'm like, what else is there? You know, this recruiting thing is pretty cool, but there's got to be more, more out there from a helping people perspective and, and really helping people be the best that they can be. And whether that's, you know, from a training and development perspective, from a offering resources to employees, you know, I, I wanted to be somewhere where I could help people be the best that they could be. And, and I just, this human resources career was just the perfect fit for me because it, it gives you the people side of the business, the helping, you know, helping people side, but then also you get to, to set business strategy. And so it's kind of the perfect marriage of, of those two things for me. So let's get back in our time machine. Uh, I'm having a conversation with you. You've just started your career. What is one thing you wished you had known uh, when you began your career that you would learn later? What would be one thing that would be helpful to you if you could go back in time? You know, when I think about that, it kind of takes me back to the, a very simple notion of trust and how important building trust is kind of the foundation to everything. And, and your actions and the way that you treat people, the way that you show up, all those things help build that, that foundation of trust. And if you think about, you know, when you become a leader, people want to follow people that they trust. They want to follow those authentic leaders. People choose to follow you. They're not, they're not forced to follow you. They choose to follow you. And I think that being able to have that, that foundation really builds that leadership DNA that you want to have and that you want to be able to, you know, leave behind. You know, there's a, there's a quote that I have in my, in my portfolio that I carry with me and it's a Stephen Covey quote. And I just, it really speaks to this trust notion and I'd like to share it with you. It's trust is the glue of life. It's the most essential ingredient in effective communication. It's the foundation that holds all relationships. So if I was little Jennifer Timmons at the time, 
starting my career, I think I wish somebody would have said, and you know, building that trust is is so important as you as you move forward in your career. And then I think the second thing that I'd like to share, and this again goes back to to my granddad, my papa, is he would say he said this his entire life. So he said, "The harder you work, the luckier you get." And I really, honestly, I don't even know if I appreciated that quote from him probably up until the last maybe 10 years, because you think about what that means. It's like, it doesn't mean you're lucky. It means you, through hard work, grit, determination, just plowing through, you're going to be successful. And, you know, luck doesn't really have a lot to do with it. It's more about, you know, how can you really pull yourself self up in the hard times and be, and be, and be, you know, power through. So that's one of my favorite things that he said. And I, I mean, I say it, I say it all the time to people because I, it's just, it's just such a great, uh, great quote. I love that. And my dad, he uh, has a handful of uh, rules for life. And one of those is that you have to have some some ideas that you live by, some key thoughts, a, a quote, a song, a poem, he would say. And I love that you just shared two of those uh, with us. And there's one that really resonates with me. My parents gave me this it's a reproduction of a propaganda poster from World War II from Winston Churchill. And it has a picture of Churchill looking at you. And then along the bottom of it with big letters, it says, deserve victory. And I, I say that just because what you're describing of the harder you work, the luckier you get kind of mentality of doing the things that give you the reason to deserve to win. And I love that. And again, I love the legacy that your grandfather provided for you. And then on the trust side, another thing that my dad would say a lot, that's a bit surprising, is that he would say that if you don't have failures, you don't learn how to uh, trust yourself, that you're not always going to win. You, you, you trust is about how you respond, not just when everything's going well, it's about how you respond when things aren't going well. And so looking at leaders that's a common theme is that they experience things in life that don't always work. Can you think of a time in, in your life when it didn't work? And, and can you share what you learned from that? Yeah, I think the times that it didn't work is, is times when I was not working collaboratively. I was early in my career, especially when you're in HR and there are some compliance things going on. You, you kind of have a tendency to dig your heels in a little bit because, you know, you feel like we have to do it, we have to do it this way. And when you do that, you not only lose the trust of those around you, but the business will just blow by you. And then you're less not being a participant, you know, in the business. You're kind of on the, on the outer edges of the circle. And in order to be effective in, in an HR role, you, you can't be on those outer edges of the circle. You have to be in the circle, in, in there with the business leaders as they're building business strategies. So, you know, what I, would, what I would say is that it's so important to find those creative solutions and work side by side and involve all the stakeholders so you don't get less behind. Now, what you're, what you're describing to me is fascinating because, in, in my opinion, I, I can't really think of an industry or a field that has changed more than HR in the function of what it, what it is. Of, at one point, it had been largely about compliance and keeping people out of trouble and all that. Now, 
I don't know how organizations are able to thrive if they don't have a, a strong focus on HR, organizational development, people and culture, whatever you want to call it. But the idea is the vision of leaders cannot come into reality if HR is not in alignment with that. And so I love what you are doing and you're talking about creating a creative zone. So how do you encourage creative thinking within the organization when when, when your position may be not driving all of this, but definitely making it possible for people to think more creatively? Yeah, that's, a, that's a really great, great question. And creativity is so important. And I think sometimes we get so hyper-focused on process improvement and automation that this notion of creativity kind of gets left behind. What I've learned is you have to be intentional about creating a time for people to be creative because if you don't give people that outlet and that permission to be creative you're you're going to be stagnant the business isn't going to grow the strategy is not going to be there you have to ask a lot of questions when you're fostering an environment of creativity you know we're always we're always asking the question around here of how can we make it better have we thought of everything is it easy as it should be and really kind of challenging people when they bring something to you, have you thought of everything? Because chances are you haven't. And give them time to go back and like, this is great, but is there more? Is there more? Is there more that we haven't thought about really pushing people to people out, pushing things out to people? And I think a couple of other things I'd like to, to talk about is the notion of having diverse teams and that diverse teams really foster that creativity because you're bringing thoughts and backgrounds from different perspectives and that can get people thinking in a different way. It, it almost breaks down barriers when you have that kind of diversity of thought and challenge in a room. And I think you, you have to really celebrate the small wins too because when you've been creative and you've had a small success and you celebrate that, it, it encourages that, that positivity around that notion of creative thinking. And I think the last thing that, that, that I like to say is don't ever underestimate how important a great question is. Because you may not get a good answer if you ask a great question, but if you continue to ask a great question, at some point, a really great answer is going to come. It may not be today. It may not be in a month. It may be two years from now when you get that really great answer to that, that initial question that you asked. I, I love the practicality of that, and I love the inspiration that is driving it. When I look at uh, your your team and what is being built at Paycom, Paycom to me is just an amazing success story that is being written and rewritten, and it just continues on. And I'm so impressed with the, the, the people I meet from there. And so you have all of these emerging leaders, these people who are wanting to take on the big questions of our time. You've got tech you've got HR, you've got all these things merging together. When you look at that group and, and you've got an unbelievably talented group of people that you have sought out, when you look at that group of leaders and you're thinking, you know, what are the challenges that they're facing that we have to anticipate? What would you consider some of the biggest challenges facing leaders today? You, you know, when I think about that, I think of, you know, immediately kind of two things come to my mind. It's the ability to adapt in the face of change because to your point we're a tech company it's changing all the time we need to be on the tip of the spear from an innovation perspective we're doing things that other companies haven't even thought of and you know we 
we say it kind of in a tongue-in-cheek fashion when we talk about our talent development is, you know, there are roles that we don't even know exist that we're going to be recruiting for in probably six months based upon the speed and the velocity of change that's going on. So as a leader, you have to be able to adapt to that and adapt to it in a positive way that can help your team grow and help bring your team along because people adapt and respond to change in a very different ways. And as a leader, you have to be able to to recognize when someone's struggling with adapting to change and how to bring them along, you know, in the right way. And I think the other thing that leaders are really facing a challenge with today, and if they don't realize it, it's even a bigger challenge, is building their bench. Because if you don't build a bench, how are you going to grow? How is your company going to execute its business strategy? Because you need leaders to, to move the company forward. I mean, it's just, it's just like any sports team. How are you going to win the national championship if you don't have a great bench? Those people may not be playing every single Saturday, but if you need somebody to plug and play when you've got a when you've got a hole you need to fill, you you need to make sure that person's ready to go. So you know, I would th- those are really the two things that that I think about constantly when I think about our leadership team and the things that we're facing as we continue to to grow and change. Well, over time, I've been able to build some friendships with uh, leaders at Paycom. And I will say as an outsider that has had those discussions, you're, you're really doing it. You're, you're really building something special. And it's uh, driven by this belief in the people that you're hiring. And I would just say to those listening in that there aren't a lot of places like Paycom where you've got people who really want to see you thrive. And if you want to see what you can do, if you want to be challenged to to move quickly, to adapt to change, to uh, pursue excellence, Paycom is a place that you might want to put on your list. So when you're looking out there and and you, you all recruit Um, heavily, you pay well, you have all these opportunities. And so you really are sifting through the best of the best. When you're looking out there at leaders, what is one characteristic that you believe that every leader should possess? I believe every leader should possess humility. Because, you know, I, I mentioned earlier that you have to build this foundation of trust to be an effective leader. And being a humble person shows other people that you know, you're authentic and that you have an understanding of what your strengths and weaknesses are and how do you build a team around those strengths and weaknesses. People that aren't humble, they may get the job done, but what what kind of bodies are they are they leaving, you know, in, in the way? And being humble allows you to work more effectively cross-functionally, I think is what I've seen. And in order to be successful as a leader, you've got to be able to do that. And really here at Paycom, there's one other ingredient that is really key to success in leadership is, is somebody who can be very gritty, somebody who you can roll your sleeves up no matter what level of leadership you are. You may be at the highest level of leadership in the organization, or you may be at the frontline leader, team lead level. And you've got to be able to roll your sleeves up and get in there and and work just as hard on problem solving as anybody else. And I think the combination of those two really drive success at the leadership level um, here at Paycom. You know, you're going to, you're not going to love this, um, but I've watched you do that. I've watched you uh, with humility, recognizing other people, having, expressing gratitude, sensing that idea that none of us got here without some help. 
And, and I, I watch you do that. And what I've seen is that you've got this uh, circle of really, really talented people. Like th- th- this, these are first round draft picks. But I, what I've noticed uh, because of uh, your leadership is because you're authentic and because you are open to saying, this is what worked, this is what didn't work. I want to express my gratitude, uh, that kind of environment. I, I've watched the level of transparency go up dramatically. We've got really talented people who are accustomed to always getting it right. But when you are taking on new problems, taking on original thinking, you're not always going to get it right. And, and I would just say your approach allows them to be courageous, to take on uh, new ideas because they sense this is a place that wants to grow me and, and also expects me to, um, to grow along the way. And that is at the heart of humility. You, you can't develop people who aren't humble because they think they've already got it all together. And I just want to point out that you are actually living that out. Well, I appreciate that, Nathan. And I think the other thing that this fosters, and I see it, I mean, daily here, is, is it fosters this sense of connectedness with the leadership team and that we're all, it's not a political game that I'm doing this to get ahead of you. It's more of we're all connected and we know that we can't do it without all the pieces that are there. And that if somebody falls down, we're there, we're all there to, to pick them up and, okay, let's figure out that didn't work. What are we going to do next? I and mean, I think that's an added benefit that I've seen. I've never seen it so profound in my career as I have seen here at Paycom. No, it is a special culture that's being created there because often you'll have a culture of genius and people will stand around waiting for someone who's supposed to know what to do all the time to do it. And then you have a culture like you're building, which is a growth culture where people are working together. They're not just waiting for someone to show up. They're really interacting and it it is pretty, uh, it's really impressive. Last couple of questions. And I really do appreciate the time. I know that you do not have time to do a podcast today. And I so appreciate your generosity and those listening in. Again, it, it's, it means so much. And you'll find that uh, leaders are often generous with their time if they feel like it might help somebody else. So thank you. Last two questions. This one's an important one to me because when you, when you see people going into the world of leadership formally, that, as you and I have talked about before, that is not just a, a change of job title. It is a change of identity because leaders will go through that first phase of they are recognized because of their uh, ability to perform, their ability to do. And then they shift into this blend where they have to orchestrate the doing, but they also have to be able to still do some of the things that would be in that performing category. And so if you were talking to someone and you said, they said, well, I'm about to go into this next level of my career and I'm, I'm, I'm a bit nervous, I'm excited about it. What advice would you give them about that transition into becoming a leader? I think the first thing that I would say is, is know what you stand for and be more of who you are. I think that's the, the most important thing. And then, then I think that it's important to, to understand that when you go into leadership, you may have a plan, but you have to be flexible. Because it's going to change. Yeah, you have to understand that. And you have to understand, too, that you're not, not everything's going to happen tomorrow or next week or next month. I, I have this saying that people give me a hard time for. I'm like, drip, drip, drip. Because it's sometimes you just have to plant the seed, whether it's 
developing an employee or an idea or something you're trying to accomplish. And you have to continually just drip that water on that seed. And one day, darn it, that seed's going to grow and you're going you're gonna to be there. But it, again, you have to have that patience. You know, staying positive and seeing the big picture, because sometimes it's hard when it, things get hard to stay positive and have that right mental outlook and that growth mindset. And what I found is you have to have an outlook to, to be able to, to burn steam off and to release stress. And if you don't have an outlet, try to figure out what that is, because that's, that's critical to your overall kind of sense of well-being. If we're not well all the way around, we're not going to be as successful as we want to be. And then I think that the, the last thing that I'd like to say is really have fun. Enjoy what you're doing. Don't don't let a day go by that you don't laugh and try to enjoy something funny or, a, you know, a great, great story with a colleague because that can really boost your entire day. Great stuff. And again, I just want to reiterate, knowing Jennifer, she's not prescribing this and then not doing this. This is something that she is actively pursuing herself. And the authenticity there, I'm just telling you, it is very sincere and very genuine. So leaders out there, are always looking for ways to become more effective. And, and one of my challenges when, when talking to leaders is that you've got the leader, but you've also got some other components. You've got the followers, you, you've got the situation itself that they're in. And sometimes leaders find themselves doing a good job in a situation that's a tough situation. And it's a, it's a real uh, challenge for them because they feel like they're not doing a good job when in fact they may be doing the, the best job of a possible in the situation they're in. And so I'm, I'm always looking for resources that would help people become more effective uh, as leaders to gain new insights and things like that. And sometimes that's, um, you know, might be books, it might be uh, audio stuff, it might be podcasts. There might be some other things too. But if you're looking out there and you said, you know, some things that I would recommend that would help people uh, who want to become better leaders, what, what are some things that you would suggest that have been uh, helpful to you along the way, or maybe you've seen be helpful for somebody else? I think for me, I'm a big believer in feedback and, and having the, the guts or being brave enough to ask for feedback, I think is, is it's been beneficial for me in my career. And that's sometimes like, I don't want to ask if I don't know what am I going to hear? Is it going to be terrible? You know, what, what should I do? And I think having that courage to ask for feedback from your peers, from your, your direct leader. And I think one of the most important things is asking for feedback from your subordinates, from the frontline employees that work in your department. What is something that I need to know about? What is something I can do better? How can I help you? Because that feedback can be very, very beneficial. I think the other thing that I would recommend is seek out other leaders that you can just be a thought partner with. This is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm feeling. Uh, you know, I, one of the things I, I, one of my thought partners here, I'm like, talk me off the rails. If, if I'm going, if I'm going somewhere, I shouldn't, but this is what I'm thinking, you know, and it just has, it, it's really comforting to have somebody that you can have those very frank conversations uh, with. And then I think the last thing is think about the value that a coach would have for you in your career, because coaches can really help you define your goals, set the action plan, 
and really help you become brave as you kind of accomplish that. They're kind of there on the sidelines to encourage you along the way. So, you know, I would say, you know, podcasts and, and blogs and all that, they're great. I mean, I, I'm a believer in all that, but I think that there's more benefit that can come from real live feedback from a variety of different um, areas. Jennifer, thank you for the time today. And one of the things, again, I will, I'll just underline because she lives it out. Jennifer, uh, when, when she is trying to learn, one of the things I've noticed about her is that she will convene other professionals from other industries and say, hey, let's, let's uh, share notes. Let's look at our best practices. Let's learn together. And uh, to use your position to help other people thrive, everybody benefits. And so often people will say, I, I just don't have that circle of people. I don't have people I can talk to. And, and what I've noticed with you is that you will have the courage to say, here are a handful of people who are doing things that have nothing to do with our company, but they're also working with people. What can we learn from them? What can we share uh, along the way that allows us to make life better for the people that um, we're trying to serve? And, and I'll just point out that, you've, uh, that you do that. And that, that's something that, is again, is authentic. Now, at the heart of all of this and the heart of leadership is recognizing that there are needs and that your role is to step up, to, to make a difference, and to set the pace. And right now, it is so important that leaders fill that gap, that they see the need and they're willing to step up. And, and when one person steps up, it gives other people the courage to step up too. And so thank you for joining us today with the Strata Leadership Show. It's the job of leaders. It is the privilege of leaders to set the pace and set the tone. So today, decide. It's going to be a great day. Today, decide that you're, you're going to express gratitude. You're going to let people know how much they mean to you and make a difference. We'll see you next time on the Strata Leadership Show.